0: chapter twenty five of the vanished messenger by e phillips oppenheim this librivox recording is in the public domain hamel met kinsley shortly before one o'clock the following afternoon in the lounge of the royal hotel at norwich you got my wire then the latter asked as he held out his hand i had it sent by special messenger from wells it arrived directly after breakfast hamel replied it wasn't the easiest matter to get here even then, for there are only about two trains a day, and I didn't want to borrow a car from Mr. Fentolin. Quite right, Kinsley agreed. I want you to come absolutely on your own. Let's get into the coffee room and have some lunch now. I want to catch the afternoon train back to town. Do you mean to say that you've come all the way down here to talk to me for half an hour or so? Hamel demanded, as they took their places at the table all the way from town kinsley assented and up to the eyes in work we are too dick what do you think of miles fentolin hanged if i know hamel answered with a sigh nothing definite to tell us then nothing what about mr john p dunster he left yesterday morning hamel said i saw him go he looked very shaky i understood that mr fentolin sent him to yarmouth did mr fentolin know that there was an inquiry on foot about this man's disappearance kinsley asked certainly i heard lord saxthorpe tell him that the police had received orders to scour the country for him and that they were coming to st david's hall kinsley for a moment was singularly and eloquently profane that's why mr fentolin let him go then if saxthorpe had only held his tongue or if those infernal police hadn't got chattering with the magistrates we might have made a coup as it is the game's up mr dunster left for yarmouth you say yesterday morning i saw him go myself he looked very shaky and ill but he was able to smoke a big cigar and walk downstairs leaning on the doctor's arm i don't doubt kinsley remarked but that you saw what you say you saw at the same time you may be surprised to hear that mr dunster has disappeared again disappeared again hamel muttered It looks very much, Kinsey continued, as though your friend Miles Fentolin has been playing with him like a cat with a mouse. He has been obliged to turn him out of one hiding place, and he has simply transferred him to another. Hamel looked doubtful. Mr. Dunster left quite alone in the car, he said. He was on his guard, too, for Mr. Fentolin and he had had words. I really can't see how it was possible for him to have got into any more trouble where is he then kinsey demanded come i will let you a little further into our confidence we have reason to believe that he carries with him a written message which is practically the only chance we have of avoiding disaster during the next few days the written message is addressed to the delegates at the hague who are now sitting nothing has been heard of dunster or the document he carries no word has come from him of any sort since he left st david's hall have you tried to trace him from there hamel asked trace him kinsey repeated by heavens you don't seem to understand dick the immense the extraordinary importance of this man to us the cleverest detective in england spent yesterday under your nose at st david's hall there are a dozen others working upon the job as hard as they can all the reports confirm what you say that dunster left st david's hall at half-past nine yesterday morning and he certainly arrived in Yarmouth at a little before twelve. From there he seems, however, to have completely disappeared. The car went back to St. David's Hall, empty. The man only stayed long enough in Yarmouth, in fact, to have his dinner. We cannot find a single smack owner who was approached in any way for the hire of a boat. Yarmouth has been ransacked in vain. He certainly has not arrived at The Hague, or we should have heard news at once as a last resource. I ran down here to see you on the chance of your having picked up any information. Hamel shook his head. You seem to know a good deal more than I do already, he said. What do you think of Mr. Fentolin? You have stayed in his house? You have had an opportunity of studying him? So far as my impressions go, Hamel replied, everything which you have suggested might very well be true. I think that either out of sheer love of mischief or from some subtler motive, He is capable of anything. Everyone in the place, except one poor woman, seems to look upon him as a sort of supernatural being. He gives money away to worthless people with both hands. Yet I share your opinion of him. I believe that he is a creature without conscience or morals. I have sat at his table and shivered when he has smiled. Are you staying at St. David's Hall now? I left yesterday. Where are you now, then? I made St. David's Tower, the little place I told you of that belonged to my father. But I don't know whether I shall be able to stop there. Mr. Fentolin, for some reason or other, very much resented my leaving the hall and was very annoyed at my insisting upon claiming the tower. When I went down to the village to get someone to come up and look after me, there wasn't a woman there who would come. It didn't matter what I offered. They were all the same.' They all muttered some excuse or other, and seemed only anxious to show me out. At the village shop, they seemed to hate to serve me with anything. It was all I could do to get a packet of tobacco yesterday afternoon. You would really think that I was the most unpopular person who ever lived, and it can only be because of Mr. Fentolin's influence. Mr. Fentolin evidently does not like to have you in the locality, Kinsey remarked thoughtfully. He was all right so long as I was at St. David's Hall hamel observed what's this place like st david's tower you call it kinsley asked just a little stone building actually on the beach hamel explained there's a large shed which mr fentolin keeps locked up and the habitable portion consists of just a bedroom and a sitting-room from what i can see mr fentolin has been making a sort of hobby out of the place there is telephonic communication with the house and he seems to have used the sitting-room As a sort of studio. He paints sea pictures, and he really paints them very well. A man came into the coffee room, made some inquiry of the waiter, and went out again. Hamel stared at him in a puzzled manner. For the moment he could only remember that the face was familiar. Then he suddenly gave vent to a little exclamation. Anyone would think that I had been followed, he remarked. The man who just looked into the room is one of Mr. Fentolin's parasites, or bodyguards, or whatever you call them." "'You probably have,' Kinsley agreed. "'What post does he hold in the household?' "'I have no idea,' Hamel replied. "'I saw him the first day I arrived, and not since. Sort of secretary, I should think.' "'He is a queer-looking fellow, anyway,' Kinsley muttered. "'Look out, Dick. Here he comes back again.' Mr. Ryan approached the table a little diffidently i hope you will forgive the liberty sir he said to hamel you remember me i trust mr ryan i'm the librarian at st david's hall hamel nodded i thought i'd seen you there i was wondering the man continued whether you had a car of mr fentolin's in norwich today and if so whether i might beg a seat back in case you were returning before the five o'clock train i came in early this morning to go through some manuscripts at a second-hand bookseller's here and i have unfortunately missed the train back hamel shook his head i came in by train myself or i would have given you a lift back with pleasure he said mr ryan expressed his thanks briefly and left the room kinsley watched him from over the top of a newspaper so that is one of mr fentolin's creatures too he remarked keeping his eye on you in norwich eh? Huh? tell me dick by the by how do you get on with the rest of mr fentolin's household and exactly of whom does it consist there is a sister-in-law hamel replied mrs seymour fentolin she is a strange tired-looking woman who seems to stand in mortal fear of mr fentolin she is always overdressed and never natural but it seems to me that nearly everything she does is done to suit his whims or at his instigation kinsley nodded thoughtfully i remember seymour fentolin he said a really fine fellow he was well who else just a nephew and niece the boy is half sullen half discontented yet he too seems to obey his uncle blindly the three of them seem to be his slaves it's a thing you can't live in the house without noticing it seems to be a cheerful sort of household Kinsey observed you read the papers i suppose dick he asked after a moment's pause on and off the last few days i seem to have been busy doing all sorts of things well i'll tell you something kinsley continued the whole of our available fleet is engaged in carrying out what they call a demonstration in the north sea they have patrol boats out in every direction and only the short distance wireless signals are being used everything of course is in code yet we know this for a fact a good deal of private information passing between the admiral and his commanders was known in germany three hours after the signals themselves had been given it is suspected more than suspected, in fact, that these messages were picked up by Mr. Fetland's wireless installation. I don't suppose he could help receiving them, Hamel remarked. He could help decoding them and sending them through the Germany, though Kinsey retorted grimly. The worst of it is he has a private telephone wire in his house to London. If he isn't up to mischief, what does he need all these things for? Private telegraph line, private telephone, private wireless we have given the postmaster a hint to have the telegraph office moved down into the village but i don't know that that will help us much so far as regards the wireless hamel said i rather believe that it is temporarily dismantled we had a sailor-man over the morning before yesterday to complain of his messages having been picked up mr fentolin promised at once to put his installation out of work for a time he has done plenty of mischief with it already kinsey groaned However, it was Dunster I came down to make inquiries about. I couldn't help hoping that you might have been able to put us on the right track. Hamel sighed. I know nothing beyond what I have told you. How did he look when he went away? Very ill indeed, Hamel declared. I afterwards saw the nurse who had been attending him, and she admitted that he was not fit to travel. I should say the probabilities are that he is laid up again somewhere. Did you actually speak to him? Just a word or two. And you saw him go off in the car? Gerald Fentolin and I both saw him and wished him good-bye. Kinsley glanced at the clock and rose to his feet. Walk down to the station with me, he suggested. I needn't tell you, I'm sure, he went on, as they left the hotel a few minutes later, that if anything does turn up, or if you get the glimmering of an idea, you'll let me know. We've a small army looking for the fellow, but it does seem as though he had disappeared off the face of the earth. If he doesn't turn up before the end of the conference, we are done. Tell me, Hamel asked, after they had walked for some distance in silence, exactly why is our fleet demonstrating to such an extent? The conference I have spoken of, Kinsey replied, which is being held at The Hague, is being held, we know, purposely to discuss certain matters in which we are interested. It is meeting for their discussion without any invitation having been sent to this country. "'There is only one reply possible to such a course. It is there in the North Sea. But unfortunately—' Kinsley paused. His tone and his expression had alike become gloomier. "'Go on, begged. "'Our reply, after all, is a miserable affair,' Kinsley concluded. "'You remember the outcry over the withdrawal of our Mediterranean fleet? Now you see its sequel. We haven't a ship worth a snap of the fingers from Gibraltar to Suez.' If France deserts us, it is good-bye to Malta, good-bye to Egypt, good-bye to India. It's the disruption of the British Empire. And all this, he wound up as he paused before taking his seat in the railway carriage, all this might now even be avoided if only we could lay our hands upon the message which that man Dunster was bringing from New York. End of Chapter 25